<laughs> Funny stuff. Well, good afternoon, everybody. How are you guys doing today? Good. It's nice to see all the familiar faces. Uh, and then to our guests, if this is the first time you've been here, welcome. Uh, we're excited to have you. Um, mo some of you know me, I'm, but if you don't know me, my name is Henry Hookstra. I'm a seminary student from this great state of Michigan. And as Pastor Bill alluded to, I've been here for a couple months and then the Lord willing, as he opens doors, if he continues to open doors, I'll be able to stay for an indefinite period of time and serve you guys and get to know you more. And so I'm really excited about that. Um, before, we get, before we get started, just a reminder, if you have your phone on you, just take it and put it on silent quick or turn it off. Uh, we want to be respectful to me, but mainly be respectful to your neighbor and just kind of minimize the distractions. So if you will, turn off your, your phone. Um, then with that, we're going to go to Genesis 1, 26 through 31. That's our text for today. Genesis 1, 26 through 31. So if you have your Bible, turn there. Um, yeah, Genesis 1. 26 through 31. It's the sixth day of creation. It's the last verses of Genesis. Yeah, if you will, turn off your phones and just, just be respectful. Uh, that would be great. So before we read, I just want to say that the beauty of God's Word, the Bible, is that it is living and active. It's not a dead book. It still speaks to us today. And it's applicable to, our, to us in our situations today. It applies to all people in all places. And, that, and so with that then, please read with me. Genesis 1, 26 through 31. Genesis 1, 26 through 31. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have food for them, or you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to every thing that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So far we read from God's word, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Will you join me in prayer? Lord God, 
you are seen in creation. It's, it's understood, it's clear as day that there is a sovereign, uh, authoritative, all-powerful God reigning and ruling over all. And Lord, your word was just read. It's your word for us today. So help us, Lord, to humble our hearts, to subject ourselves to your word. Help us to learn much, Lord, and ultimately help us to be pointed to Jesus Christ, uh, the Savior, the great Savior of sinners, Lord. And so those who already know you in Jesus Christ, may their faith be strengthened and may their walk be furthered in obedience. And for those who do not know you, Lord, I pray that their eyes and their ears would be opened to Jesus Christ. And I pray this all in your son's name. Amen. So as we've been doing the, the Genesis 1 series, we've, we've, we've said a few things. We've said that the Christian belief, the Christian worldview, it's reasonable. And we've also noted that the Christian worldview today, it's being attacked, it's being undermined by various different worldviews. Um, but Christianity, it, it's, it's far more reasonable, I said, than many other worldviews and religions. Because it gives us answers to our origins, it gives us answers to our present life and for the end times. And not only that, but a lot, a lot of people will say they, they, don't, they don't believe in the Christian worldview because it believes in a God. How can I believe in a God? Well, people believe in far more unreasonable things, right? People believe in aliens and UFOs and strange conspiracy theories. And so it's not that far-fetched of a worldview um, and belief system. And we need to be reminded of the fact that Christianity is reasonable because, like I said, it's being attacked today. It's being undermined by, from the left, from the right, from all directions. It's being undermined. And so we need to always be reminded of its reasonableness um, because it is causing unbelief in the hearts of many. And so today, before I get into the text, I just want to say what's been going on in chapter 1 so far. Basically, uh, the house, a house is being built, right? So the foundation was laid. The heavens and the earth were created. And then from there, you have the framing go up. You have uh, the sun, the moon, the stars, the plants and the animals. And then the roof and the windows were put on, if you will. And now today, man and woman are entering into the house. The house is completely built. And as you know, a house, when it's built, it is, it's, it's new, right? It is in mint condition. So too with creation. Creation was made perfect, without sin, holy, Yet we know that houses, right, or buildings, they, they deteriorate over time. So did creation. But not by natural causes like we know a, a house deteriorating. This cannot be the case because God created the universe and all things in it good and perfect. But creation deteriorated because of the sin of one man and one woman. And so through the willful sin of one man and all woman came all corruption 
and destruction, right? And you see that in the account of Genesis. Right after Adam and Eve sin, what happens? Cain kills his brother. So there's murder right away. And then there is all sorts of uh, deterioration, uh, sexual deterioration, um, people serving other false gods and, and fleeing from God. And so we see that the earth, through Adam and Eve, came all corruption and destructions, thorns and thistles, creation groaning, and particularly death itself. This is, this is what happened through one man's sin. And so today, we will consider the sixth day and final day of creation, the final day before God rested. In this day, God created man, male and female, and then the work of creation was finished, as Genesis 2 verse 1 states. And so today, let us consider creation, the creation of humanity as it once was. We, we will notice how we were intended to be. We will also note that creation, humanity specifically, is not that way anymore. And finally, again, we will be confronted with the glorious gospel that restores us back to how we were originally intended to be with the promise that one day we and all of creation will be perfectly restored and reformed. And so consider with me then three things. Humanity created in God's image and likeness. Humanity created as male and female. And then the application, humanity's image restored. First, God creates humanity in his image and likeness. God, as you can note from this text that we read today, creates humanity with much contemplation, right? God put much thought into the creation of humanity. Rather than saying, like all the other days, let there be, let there be, God says, let us make man. The thought and consideration put into the creation of humanity is much And it shows God's love for his people. That the writer of this text says, let us make man. We are then able to understand from this that within the divine nature of God, there is a plurality. There is a diversity in the Godhead. The Bible is clear on this. This this text alone, you might not be able to get get that from it. But as we look to other texts, we see that there is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We know that God the Father eternally begets the Son, and that the Holy Spirit proceeds from God the Father and God the Son. Thus, God is three in one, three persons in one being. God is a diversity, yet fully united as God. And this is hard for us to wrap our minds around, right? We are finite beings, and we we can't quite grasp that without falling into heresy or false religion. But we take this, this truth from God because he says so. So we might not be able to understand it fully. We'll never be able to. But we take God at his word. We trust 
by faith. And we must, for if we lose this, this truth of the Trinity, we lose our faith. But anyways, as a united Godhead, they said, let us create man. They are one and the same creator. And now the, the humanity, the whole person as an organism, in its unity and diversity is like unto God. Think about this. God creates Adam and Eve with excellency as higher beings than that of animals. The fact that God created humanity in his image and likeness shows our difference, our fundamental difference from animals. We are like unto God in that we once completely reflected him in our living and being. Soul and body image God. Just as God is known and displayed in material creation, so too is humanity's soul displayed through his body. And so man is separate from the creation of beasts in that God took deep thought and counsel in forming man. This is the difference between the creation of humanity and animals. We are not like beasts, fish, birds, and plants. We are different, fundamentally different. We are the crown of creation. The idea of image and likeness is that, that of a statue. We are carved. We are carved, and we image God in that way. Consider with me a couple things then, how more deeper, how we are like unto God. Consider with me knowledge holiness, spirituality, will, and dominion. God created man and woman perfect. They lacked nothing. They were created in perfect fellowship with God, love for God, and service towards God. Adam and Eve were created in a holy and completely unpolluted state towards God, their fellow being in creation as a whole. They lived with utter security and without fear of death or anxiety whatsoever. Their whole being, therefore, was utterly perfect. First, let's consider holiness. Adam and Eve were created like unto God in that they were perfectly holy. They knew no sin. They were completely righteous. And it's, for us, that's hard to understand because we, we are not holy. We are sinful creatures. We sin all the time. But one, one man, one theologian puts it this way. He said, original holiness or righteousness is called natural, not because it consists in a certain substance or essence, but because it is a natural attribute or quality. Just as good health belongs to the nature of man, but is still lost, that is, so it is with the image of God. Holiness in the Garden of Eden was a distinct quality of humanity. It was part of their essence, who they were. And thus, Adam and Eve lived in perfect obedience to God. Secondly, they were also created like unto God in that sin had not distorted their, their knowledge or understanding. They were able to think and reason without error for example have you ever had a moment when someone had to tell you that you weren't thinking straight and then 
Maybe they had to point out your error and bring you back to a state of thinking that is in line with reality. Maybe it was about what others were thinking about you. You had a thought, someone was thinking some way about you, and you told it to somebody else, and they're like, no, you have it all wrong. That's not at all what they're thinking. Or maybe you misinterpreted what someone said to you, and they had to tell you that is not at all what they meant. Adam and Eve never had that. They were always able to think rightly and correctly about everything. Thirdly, we are like unto God in that we are created as spiritual beings. In our spirituality, we image God in that God is invisible. He is a spirit. He is a spiritual being. And so too are we. We, we have souls and our souls will live on in eternity whether separated from God or in complete fellowship with God. Genesis 2 verse 7 says, God breathed the breath of life into us. And so we have eternity set in our hearts and our minds. We are able to think spiritually. We are spiritual beings. Fourthly, humanity images God in their will. Humanity created in a state of sinless Perfection means that the wills of Adam and Eve were in complete alignment with the will of God. They obeyed God fully and completely. There was not one small way in which Adam and Eve did not perfectly will obedience according to God's will. All of their powers in their complete nature was subservient to the will of God. There were no errors or mistakes. Finally, Humanity images God in that they have dominion over the earth. Just as God has power and authority over all things, so too does God give humanity dominion and authority over the earth. For example, the farmer tends his field and cattle. The shepherd his flock. The businessman his business. The government, the state. The father and mother, the home. The teacher, the classroom, and the students, and the artist, the sculpture, or painting. The list goes on and on. Now consider with me male and female. Again, we are created to reflect and image God. God is a unity and diversity, but yet one organism, a unity and diversity. So, to are we we're one organism an organic unity and diversity finding our life from god there's male and female eve was fo- uh, formed from adam's rib but both are products of the dust of the earth both are created in the image of god and, and have equal standing before god in their righteousness wisdom and dominion of the earth both male and female are partakers of eternal life Heirs of grace, as 1 Peter 3, 7 states. Both man and woman are created out of the affection of of God. For God said, let us create man in the image of God. Male and female. Whereas the creation of other things, where God displays his authority, here God speaks with affection and love towards both male and female. Although they have equal standing before God, 
yet there is distinction between the two, right? There's a fundamental difference between the two, male and female. But this distinction is good. Male and female complement each other. As Adam, as I understand it, that as Adam was roaming the garden, watching the animals, seeing how they each had a helpmeet for each other, he noticed that I, he's, I don't have a helpmeet. And so God said it's not good for man to be alone. And God formed Eve out of Adam's rib so that he would have a helper, someone to live with him, someone to have communion and fellowship with and in this relationship between male and female, between Adam and Eve, there is the most beautiful image of the triune Godhead. There again, we see unity and diversity. Male and female are different, yet they are united together in marriage as they become one flesh. But in that state of marriage, man and woman have communion, fellowship, and intimacy that resembles the intimacy of the triune Godhead. There in the triune Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have total, complete, and perfect unity, fellowship, communion, and intimacy. This is the way God designed it to be. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. And in, in, in Flowing out of male and female comes from, in the text, being fruitful and multiplying. The, the word of God and common sense testify to this fact, that this is how we ought to function as a society. There, there's no procreation apart from man and woman. We don't need the word of God to tell us that. that that's common, common sense. And, and thus God told Adam and Eve that they, they must replenish the earth. This is the whole point of giving the command, right? The earth is humanity's home. Humanity is meant to reproduce because the earth is their home. It was made for them. And reproducing was, was commanded by God and that God promises to bless them in their generations as they walk in the fear of the Lord. God gave Adam and Eve the command to multiply so that the human race would continue. And that as the human race continues, all of humanity would come to see that they are all one and the same. That they would see that all of humanity comes from their two parents. That all of humanity would see that they are made from one blood. And that in seeing this, they might love one another. And finally, under the, the point, male and female, it's, we'll just consider subduing or cultivating the earth quickly. It's, it, it's our duty, as we have dominion over the earth, to be stewards of the earth in, in justice and in integrity, ruling the earth as God would have us that we wouldn't do anything outside of his will. And finally, let's, let's look at the application. Image, image of God restored in Christ. So we know that this is the way we're, we were created, right? We know that we were created perfect. 
But we know through our experience and through the word of God telling us that this is not how it is anymore. Something's wrong. And the image of God is distorted. It was distorted in the fall of Adam and Eve. We, we all fell in Adam. And we, we might say, well, I wasn't there. I, I, didn't, I didn't commit that sin. But Adam is our, our representative. He's our, our federal head, Adam and Eve. And so because of the fall, we, we became wholly corrupted in our nature. Yes, we, are, we still have the image and, and we can see it, but it's, it's become distorted and polluted. Our minds are polluted. Our wills are polluted. They are polluted in that we are, we are bound to sin. We can do no good in the sight of God. And we all, we all know this because of the word of God it tells us, but our consciences accuse us every day. Our consciences accuse us that we sin, that we sin against our neighbor, that we sin against God. Our consciences accuse us of that. The fact is that by nature now, we are completely corrupted. We are, we are sick. We are in a complete state of spiritual deadness. Just as a man who is, who is blind or deaf, lacking that which belongs to him, namely his sight and hearing, so too all those apart from Christ are totally, are totally and completely lack that which belongs to them. One, one person puts it this way. Humanity lost none of their substance as a result of sin. In that, in that sense, humans are fully human after the fall. But when man lost his original righteousness or holiness, he lost the harmony and health of his nature and became a sinner through and through. His nature in the sense of substance or essence remained, but the moral qualities naturally belonging to his nature were lost. And so without perfect righteousness and obedience, we are not true, complete, or normal. We are thus totally corrupted, and our wills are bound to sin. But this, we know that this is not the way we were meant to be. Many of us groan for perfection. We groan for a life far more excellent and higher above this life. We know that this is not the way it's meant to be. We were not just designed for a life of eating and drinking and procreation only, but we were created for an eternal and spiritual life with God. Had Adam and Eve not fallen into sin, this this surely would have happened. They would have been granted a, a higher life in communion with God. But there, that didn't happen. And we're in the state that we're in. We see evil all around us. We see evil within ourselves. But there is hope in this state. There, you can have assurance of this eternal and spiritual life with God. And we can have, not only have assurance for the future, but we can have assurance right now in our present circumstances. We can be certain that there will be a perfect paradise that was thought for us and destined for us. 
But this certainty of, of faith, this, this hope, is only found through the narrow path of life that is Jesus Christ. That's the only way. There is no other way. There's no other religion. There's no other God. There's no work in and of yourself that you can do to achieve that. It's only Jesus Christ. Him alone through whom, through Him, that you can find salvation and eternal rest. It is only through Jesus Christ. And so, if you desire this restoration of your image, partly now, but fully in eternity, then look to Jesus Christ. See your sin and misery. You must. You must see your sin and misery. And then see your need for a Savior. When you're there and you see your sin and your misery, then look to Christ as the one who brings us back to how we were originally intended to be. By trusting in Him for salvation, resting in Him who was righteousness on your behalf, you are then seen perfectly and holy and righteous before God. You see, Christ takes on as you believe in Christ and know Him to be your Savior, Christ takes on your unrighteousness as His own. And then He gives you His perfect righteousness as a free gift that is yours by faith. Only then are we brought back to our original state. Only then are we able to be reconciled to God. Because God is holy And we sinned against God and there must be punishment and payment for that sin. It can't go unpunished for God is holy. And the only way that we can be brought back to a a perfect, or brought back to communion and fellowship with God is if somebody would live righteously on our behalf and die in our place. And that is exactly what Jesus Christ did. He died on behalf of sinners. He paid the ultimate price. He appeased the wrath of God. He settled the deal. And this, some will say, well, that sounds like divine child abuse. The father sends his son to appease his wrath. Well, it's not divine child abuse when you willingly do it because you love a people for yourself. Turn to Christ then. To Christ in whom salvation and reconciliation with God are fixed and true, cemented. Turn to Christ as your righteousness before a holy God and receive the righteousness of Christ. And then live your life knowing that that's exactly how God sees you. For if you are in Christ, God, he removes himself from your sin. He remembers it no more. And when he looks at you, he sees perfect righteousness and holiness. Something that cannot be lost. And so turn to Christ, for without it, you will never be truly human. And you will be separated from God for eternity. So you are either a a sinner dead in your trespasses and sins, or you are a son or a daughter of God, redeemed by Christ.
perfectly righteous in the sight of God. You are either a spiritually dead human walking or a sinner saved by grace brought to life. And so back to how we started the the building analogy. Do not build your house, your life on shaky foundations or vain philosophies. Right? Remember the parable of Jesus where he says, the foolish man builds his house on the sand. What happens when that foolish man builds his house on the sand? A storm comes by, and that thing just gets blown blown over. It's just like the big bad wolf, right? You build your house with hay and sticks, the wolf comes and blows that thing over. Don't build your house on shaky foundations, but build them on the sure foundation of God's word. God, think about it. God has given us his word. His revelation to us of salvation and hope. And he tells us exactly who he is. He tells us his character, that he is good, that he's loving, he's compassionate towards sinners. Build your, build your life on, on, on that. What, what a privilege it is that God came down to us in Jesus Christ, that he came down to us in written word, in lowliest form, that we might have uh, a solid ground to stand on, some, a light on our path as we walk through this, uh, this valley of shadow of death. So that, that's my call to you. Build, build, start reading this Bible. Start praying over it. And as you see your sin and your misery, your offense against God or your neighbor, repent of that. Tell, confess that to God. And then don't just stop there, but turn to Christ. Fleeing from that sin, fleeing from any thought that says, oh, I can be holy, I can, I, can, I can live a good enough life. No, don't do that. Don't look to yourself. Look to Christ. Look to Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God and Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I'm a weak man and I see it so clearly in how I speak and how I bring your word to people, Lord. But I just pray that there would be the message of the gospel would come through clearly, Lord, and that people would trust in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation, Lord. And that we would see our origins clearly, that we were created in a state of uprightness and righteousness, but that we willfully and willingly sinned against you, Lord. But that you did not in that moment damn us all to hell, but that you were long suffering. And you chose, out of your gracious and your mercy, a people for yourself. What love that is that you chose some, Lord. May people be turned on by that that message, Lord. May their their hearts uh, be pointed to you. May they see your love. And may they be drawn to you because of that love, Lord. And so bless all of these people as they go their separate ways, Lord. You know them all. You know all of their needs, Lord. Take care of them and help them to know that as trials come, your promises are sure and they last forever, Lord. Thank you and I pray this all in the pardon of of our sins. Amen.